65, my Savior first of all. On the first, when my life's work is ended and I cross the swelling tide, when the bright and glorious morning I shall see, I shall know my Redeemer when I reach the other side, and His smile will be the first to welcome me. I shall know Him, I shall know Him, and redeemed by His side I shall stand. I shall know Him, I shall know Him, by the print of the nails in His hands. On the second, oh, the soul-thrilling rapture when I view His blessed face, and the luster of his kindly beaming eye. How my full heart shall praise him by mercy, love, and grace that prepare for me a mansion in the sky. I shall know him, I shall know him, and redeemed by his side I shall stand. I shall know him, I shall know gates to the city in a robe of spotless white. He will lead me where no tears will ever fall. In the glad song of ages I shall mingle with delight, but I long to see my Savior first of all. I shall know him, I shall know him, and redeemed by his side I shall stand. I shall know him, I shall know him. Let's turn around, shake hands, and fellowship one with another and let our visitors know how glad we are to have Let's remain standing for a word of prayer. Go right ahead and fellowship there. That's fine. I like to see folk getting along for a change. Amen. <laughs> Amen. What a blessing. Good to have all of you with us tonight. Good to have a couple of our missionary families that are visiting with us tonight. The Doves working with the Hispanics here in America. Good to have them with us. And also Brother Brocious. Eastern works down in Buenos Aires. 
and Emmanuel Baptist Temple. Is that right? That's good to have you with us tonight, both of them with BIMI. Let's pray now and ask the Lord to bless the service tonight and to work here and move in our hearts. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the joy of being able to say that we know you. And Father, we thank you for the work of God to bring us into a relationship with you. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Now open our hearts now to what you have for us tonight in this service. Speak to every heart. Bless all the activities that are going on tonight. Be with our, our children in Awana. Be with our Awana workers. Be with our junior high department tonight. Their service. Be at the senior high department tonight. Their service. I pray you bless all the things that are going on. May the hand of God be upon each of them. Open our hearts to what you have for us in this service tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's continue to sing. Page 546. 546, I will sing the wondrous story of the Christ who died for me. <clears throat> On the first, I will sing the wondrous story of the Christ who died for me. How he left his home in glory for the cross of Calvary. Yes, I'll sing the wondrous story of the Christ who died for me. Sing it with the story gathered by the crystal sea. On the second, I was lost, but Jesus found me, found the sheep that was astray. Through his loving arms about me, threw me back into his way. Yes, I'll sing the wondrous story of the Christ who died for me. Sing it with the saints in glory, gathered by the crystal sea. Good singing on the last. He will keep me till the river rolls its waters at my feet. Then he'll bear me safely over where the loved ones I shall meet. Yes, I'll sing the wondrous story of the Christ who died for me. Sing it with the saints in glory gathered You may be seated. Let's let our ushers come forward to receive her offering. And let me remind you that everything you give on Wednesday night goes to and the support of the Bible conference in the fall. Let me just remind you a couple of things. I hope you're praying now about your gift on our Chester Joash offering. That's coming up the third Sunday in May. We're a few weeks away. But uh, this is a special offering that we take once a year. And we ask everybody to, to give something special that day. And it all goes toward the buildings and doing something. Of course, this year, uh, the extension of the auditorium in the back and the things that we're putting on the side. And so I hope you really pray. Because like I say, our needs are far greater than ever been before in a project we take each year. But you give, and I know the Lord's going to meet a big portion of that need on that particular day. That's the third Sunday of May. Also, Mother's Day is coming up. The wisdoms to be back with us again. They're always with us on Mother's Day. And I want you to mark that on your calendar. Also, today is Secretary's Day. Sister Rhonda, would you stand? And we appreciate her service here. And I want you to let her know how much you appreciate her service. We got her a little something in the office today, but she said, please uh, make mention of it, church, so everybody will know. Amen. <laughs> We appreciate the good job that Rhonda does for us. She is a real asset to our church, and we thank the Lord for it. Let's pray you give tonight. Father, bless the offering. May we give tonight in love to you. In Jesus' name, amen.
morning, if you'll come on. I didn't know I was supposed to leave singing until today sometime, and uh, I get tired of hearing me sing all the time. Every once in a while, I want to hear somebody who can sing. So I called Ronnie and asked him if he'd sing for us tonight. So Ronnie, you should come up. We've got Mike doing double duty tonight. You out of breath from running down those steps, Mike? I'm out of breath from climbing up these, I tell you that. I don't have to go back on my diet. <laughs> Nobody laughed on that, did they? <laughs> Here's a song we did several years ago. It's a little bit lighthearted. It's a story about the rich man and the beggar. Enjoy that, say amen. I want you to find your in your Bible Luke 7 and turn there for just a moment. And I want us to think tonight for just a few minutes on <clears throat> how do you treat Jesus? Let's all stand as we honor the public reading of the scriptures. Luke 7, a very familiar story, a very touching story. In fact, there are two scenes in the Bible that are very, very similar. <clears throat> One, and both of them involve a woman. And both of them involve a scene in the house of someone named Simon. There was a woman that knelt at the feet of Jesus in the house of Simon the Pharisee that we're going to look at tonight. And then another woman that knelt at the feet of Jesus in the home of Simon the leper and anointed the feet of Jesus. I do not believe they're the same women. In fact, I was reading one author today and he made reference that it did not surprise him to find two women doing the same thing. He said he is the only thing that surprised him there's not 200 
in the Bible doing the same thing. But I want us to look in Luke 7, verse 36. And I want us to look at the story tonight. And again, I want us to think about the matter how are we treating the Lord Jesus. Verse 36, Luke 7. One of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house, and he sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, and stood at his feet behind him weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one, <coughs> excuse me, owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him the most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet. But she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman since the time I came in hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven the same loveth little. And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. And they that said it meet with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. Thank you. you. May be seated. Let's look at this wonderful story. And I want us to glean from the two principal or two of the principal characters in the story, the Pharisee and the woman, and I want us to see the contrast in how they treated Jesus. And I want us to ask ourselves tonight, how are we treating the Lord? Let's pray. Our Father, we do thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you tonight for the joy of knowing that our sins can be forgiven. We thank you, Lord, that no matter who we are, what we've done, that you will accept us. And we thank you for this story that demonstrates that. And so I ask you now that you would open every heart to the gospel, open every heart to the word of God. Speak to every believer now concerning our treatment of you. Thank you again for bringing us together tonight in this place. For it's in Jesus' name we pray and ask these things. Amen. An interesting study that could be done in the Bible is the times in the gospels that you find Jesus entering into someone's house. I thought about I've thought about several times over the years preaching a series on these different occasions. But there are several times in the Bible, in the Gospels, that you find Jesus going into someone's house. For example, Matthew 8, you find Jesus in the house of Peter. Matthew 9, you find him in the house of the ruler. In Matthew 26, you find him in the house of Simon the leper. In Luke 5, you find him in the house of Levi. Luke 19, you find him going to the house of Zacchaeus. And there are other occasions in the Bible, but you find Jesus going into someone's house. Now in Luke chapter 7, we find him going into a house. And this time, we find him going into the house of a Pharisee. And as I look at the story in Luke chapter 7, I see a contrast once Jesus entered into the house and how he was treated by those that were in the house. You might say that one treated him poorly, the other treated him properly. And the treatment that you find and the contrast of the treatment is highlighted by a parable that Jesus gave beginning in verse 40. Now this is the parable. Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. 
The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him the most? Now, Jesus gave this parable about two debtors. One of them owed 500 pence, the other owed 50 pence. The coinage or the money that was being referred to here was a denarius, and a denarius was equivalent to a day's wages. In those days, you paid a person at the end of the day, and most of the time you gave them this little silver coin, which which was a denarius. 500 pence would be equivalent to about 20 months of labor. And about 50 pence would be equivalent to about eight weeks. So you had one man that owed as much as two years of labor, two years salary, and another man that owed at least a quarter of a year of salary or somewhere in that neighborhood. One man owed 500 pence. Here is another man that owed 50 pence. There was a contrast in how much they owed, but this is where they had they, what they shared in common. And that is both of them were unable to pay the debt. The man that owed 500 pence had no way of paying the debt. The man that owed 50 pence, he had no way of paying the debt. Both of them were debtors, and neither one of them could repay that which they owed. But in the parable that Jesus gave, he talked about one that forgave them for what they owed. He wiped the debt clean. Neither one of them could pay, but he frankly, the Bible said the creditor, frankly forgave them both. Now, the parable Jesus was given was illustrating the forgiveness of God. You see, the truth is, every one of us in this room tonight had a debt that we were not able to pay. It's like the songwriter said, I had a debt that I could not pay. Christ paid a debt that he did not owe. And when it comes to this matter of being a debtor, every one of us were debtors, and we could not pay the debt. That is the debt of sin. We were all sinners and we were unable to pay that debt to God or unable to do anything to bring ourselves to God or to save ourselves. But yet God, in spite of our condition and in spite of our bankrupt condition before Him, He forgave us of our sin. That's the story of forgiveness. You see, God does not forgive us tonight based on our worthiness. The truth is neither one of us are worthy, but He forgives us anyway. That's the grace and the glory of the forgiveness of God. I read a story not too long ago I thought was interesting, a remarkable story about a fellow from England by the name of Lord Congleton. And Lord Congleton spent several years in India as a missionary, and he later returned to England to settle on his estate. He was a man that had a great passion for souls, but not only did he have a great passion for souls, but he was a very, very generous man. So in settling his estate, he had these little announcements or placards put all over the village, which was part of his estate, and the announcement simply read, Lord Congleton will be present with his steward at his office in the village between the hours of 9 and 12 on Tuesday, the 14th instant, and will there pay freely all accounts and debts to whomsoever due of any of, the, of his tenants who cannot discharge their obligations. And then below it, he give a little, few little details. He wanted them to bring proof of the debt and whatever there and give an explanation why he couldn't pay the debt. And at the very bottom of the placard, he signed his name, Lord Congleton. Well, everybody in the village was talking about it. And they were standing around, everywhere there was one up, there was groups standing around talking about it. But the problem was, nobody believed they were true. So on that particular Tuesday, Lord Congleton and his steward pulled up at 9 o'clock sharp, opened his office, and went in and sat down. For two hours, nobody came by. Finally, this older couple walked in, and they said, Is it true? That Lord Congleton said that he'll pay our debts. And they were told that it was true. And, and the fellow looked at it. He said, I told you that was his signature on that, on that poster. And if, he's, if he wrote it, signed it there, then he'll do what he said. So this older couple was taken to the office where Congleton was. And he looked at them. They talked about a few things for a moment. And then he said, why should I pay your debts? And the old man looked at him and said, because you said you would. And I took you at your word. He looked over to his steward and said, write a, full, write a check for the full amount of what they owe. And the little couple was so excited. In fact, Lord Conklin even gave them a house to live out the rest of their life. And they were getting ready to leave, and the old man said, we've got to go tell all of our neighbors about this. He said, no, stop. He said, you don't tell anybody about it. 
They have to take me at my word just like you took me at your word. And it went on out. Well, the only two people showed up that day. He offered to pay the debt of everybody in the village, but only two people showed up. I read that story and I thought about how one day God made an offer to me. And thank God I took him at his word. And there was a debt that I could not pay. I, had, I was unable in myself to pay that debt, but I took him at his word and he paid the debt that I could not pay. It's a story of the forgiveness of God. Thank God tonight that our sins can be forgiven. But you look at the story, and Jesus gave that parable, and the latter part of verse 42, here's the key to the whole parable, tell me, therefore, which of them will love him the most? He said, now, which was going to love him more? And he took that parable and that particular statement, and he highlighted the contrast of the two people surrounding him in this story. I want us to look at the story tonight. I point out two or three simple little things, first of all. When I look at the story, I see an invited Lord. Look at verse 36. The Bible said, And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house, and he sat down to meet. You find the Lord Jesus being invited to the house of Simon the Pharisee. You have the Lord Jesus been extended an invitation to come into the Pharisee's house. When I think about this invitation, it reminds me of how one day I received an invitation, or I, made it, I invited the Lord Jesus Christ to come into my heart. It reminds me of the invitation that every one of us has made, an invitation to Jesus Christ to come into our lives, to come into our hearts, yea, even our homes. It was an invitation for Christ to come. When I look at this invitation, I'm reminded of two things. One, it was an accepted invitation. The Pharisee invites Jesus to come into his home and Jesus accepts the invitation. I want to say to you tonight, if you ever come to the Lord Jesus just like you in this room have found out, if you'll come to Christ and you'll invite him to come into your life, you, I promise you by the authority of the Word of God that he will accept your invitation. All you got to do is ask him. All you got to do is come to him and say, Lord Jesus, I have never been saved I have a debt that I cannot pay. I know if I died in my sins, I'd go to hell. Jesus, I want you to come in my heart. And that's all you've got to do. And he will accept that invitation. You see, he never turns down an invitation to come into somebody's life. He's never turned anybody away. He didn't turn down the invitation to come to the home of Simon the Pharisee. He will not turn down an invitation for you to come to his life. He never turns down an accepted invitation. No matter who you are, no matter who you are, Jesus Christ will accept your invitation. We were somebody, a couple of us the other night, we were discussing the serial killer, Ted Bundy. And uh, you recognize the name, who spree all across this country. I have read, and I don't know all the details about it, but I have read how, uh, that uh, James Dobson actually went to Florida over a series of visits, actually led Ted Bundy to the Lord. Now, I hope that is true. You say, how could somebody like that be saved? I'll tell you how they can be saved. They say just like you were. Say just like I was. They invited Jesus to come in their heart. And Jesus will not refuse an invitation. He will not say no to anyone, even a Ted Bundy. Whosoever will, let him come. Anybody that will invite him come in, there is an accepted invitation. But second of all, I am mindful how it was an abrupt invitation. You look at the whole story here, the whole chapter, is like Jesus is talking to the crowds and discussing various things, and all of a sudden this Pharisee walks up and abruptly says, Lord, I want you to come to my house. And it's like Jesus dropped everything that he was doing and accepted the invitation. You see, the invitation I see here is not only do I find an accepted invitation no matter who, but also says to me that no matter where and no matter when, it doesn't matter who you are, he'll save you if you'll invite him. And he'll save you whenever you invite him. If you were to come even tonight and say, Lord Jesus, I want you to save me, you know what he'll do? He'll save you. He saved some of you when you invite him in your homes. He saved some of you when you were invited by someone in a Sunday school class, even in this service here. He'll save no matter who. He'll save no matter when, no matter where. It is an invited Lord. All of us tonight, our relationship with Jesus started with an invitation. But here's the second two things, the second of the three things. Not only do I see an invited Lord, 
But second of all, I see an idolized Lord. For you see, beginning in verse 37, shortly after arriving in the home, an uninvited guest shows up. Look at verse 37. And behold, a woman in the city which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and had wiped them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. We see a woman here that's called a sinner in verse 37. That's what everybody in the village called her, a sinner. And most Bible scholars seem to think that the reference was that this was a prostitute. This is a lady that had threw her life away and lived a very immoral life and one that had sold her own body. She was known as a sinner to everybody. But we find her in verse 37 coming to the house. But we find this woman in Christ. We see her regarding him with great awe. We see her regarding him with great devotion. I submit unto you tonight, the actions of this woman here tell us how to properly treat the Lord Jesus Christ in our life. How should we treat him? Let me point out two things. One, look at verse 38. You see the emotion of appreciative heart. Look at verse 38. I like this statement, and she stood at his feet behind him weeping. Now think about that for just a moment. Here is this woman now that everybody calls her a sinner because of the way she's lived and the lifestyle she has lived. And here she is standing behind Jesus and she's just standing there weeping. Like one writer said, the frail casket of her soul is barely unsealed. She's standing there and her emotions cannot be contained. She just stands there behind him weeping. Why is she weeping? She weeps. When she thinks of the one that had forgiven her in spite of who she was. She is standing there weeping as she thinks of the one that had loved her in spite of the house she had lived and the things she had done with her life. She weeps as she thinks about someone that in spite of the sins of her life, he had forgiven her and forgiven and cleansed of all that sin. Here is a woman that is grateful for what Jesus Christ can do in her life and has done in her life. I say to you tonight that we as a believer ought to be grateful for the story of God's forgiveness. And if there's anything tonight that ought to move us and ought to stir us, it is this. That we were a sinner with a debt that we could not pay, but Jesus paid that debt and forgave us of our sin. That ought to fill our heart with gratitude tonight. In fact, it ought to just kind of uh, help us to get a little emotional like her, amen? Uh, she wasn't ashamed of what he'd done. Here is her gratefulness been expressed. She is grateful for what the Lord had done. We ought to be grateful. We ought to be rejoicing in our heart that God has forgiven us of our sin. Now everybody, some may have sinned more than the others, but the bottom line is every one of us was sinners. Some of you may have been a 500-pence sinner. The other may have been a 50-pence sinner. But both of us need the same thing, forgiveness. And God in His love and grace, in spite of what we had done, 500-pence lie or a 50-pence lie, He frankly forgave us all. And anything that ought to fill our hearts with gratitude is that God hath forgiven us and we ought to show our gratitude in our life. I think about a wealthy businessman that choked on the fishbone. He's in this restaurant and he's eating and he got choked on the fishbone. Uh, but fortunately there was a doctor sitting at the table beside him and he saved his life. And as soon as the fellow could had somewhat gained his composure and could talk, he thanked the doctor enthusiastically and he said, he said, you tell me your fee, I'll pay you whatever you want. You saved my life. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Tell me how much I owe you. The doctor said, you don't owe me anything. He said, oh, no, I owe you. He said, now, whatever your fee is, you tell me and I'll pay you. And the doctor said, okay. How about half what you would have offered me a while ago when you were choking on that bone, amen? Well, I want to think, say when we're thinking about all God has done, go back and remember the load of sin and guilt that you carried Go back and remember those days when your soul was empty and there was no peace within. And go back and remember that load of shame and that load of guilt that was in your life. And remember how desperate you wanted to be set free from that guilt and desperate you want to be set free from the bondage of your sin. Remember how it was and then just give Him praise and honor and glory that one day God did save your soul and He did give you a brand new life. 
gratitude. And oh, God forbid that any of us should let a day go by that we don't lift our heart up to Him and say, thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. It is the gratitude that we owe Him, the emotion of an appreciative heart. I think about a story, and I think I've shared the story with you before, some aspects of it, about a young man by the name of Ed Spencer. Back in 1860, September the 8th, to be exact, 1860, the Lady Elgin founder sank off the shores of Lake Michigan. Ed Spencer was a, a young student. He was a very athletic type person. In fact, I believe he participated in one of the Olympics, but his ultimate goal was to be in the ministry. He was in the library studying that night when someone come running in and hollered, the lady Elgin is sinking. Ed Spencer went out the door and he jumped in the cold waters of Lake Michigan and swam out and grabbed one and brought him back safely to shore. Then he went back and forth and back and forth. He was exhausted. Someone tried to get him to stop, fear that he was going to drown. But before he would stop that night, Ed Spencer saved 17 people. But it cost him his health. It broke him down physically. He lived the rest of his life or the latter part of his life almost an invalid, almost in seclusion and whatever. But Ed Spencer gave his very best. In fact, the songwriter that wrote the song, Have I Done My Best for Jesus, wrote that song inspired by the story of Ed Spencer. But when Ed Spencer died, the notice of his death mentioned his heroic deed and how he saved 17 people that night. But the, also his notice also mentioned that of the 17 people he saved, not one of the 17 ever came back and thanked him for saving their life. And we're not talking about life, we're talking about hell in heaven. And how often we go through our life day by day knowing that we don't have to go to hell. We go home at night and close our eyes, never fearing going to hell. We know that heaven is our home, but yet we let days go by and we don't even thank Him for what He's done. God forbid. We ought to be like this woman here, just moved with emotion to think that God would love us and that God would save us and God would forgive us. Look at the second thing about the story. Not only the emotion of an appreciative heart, but the devotion of an adoring heart. Look at verse 38. Notice what she did. She stood behind him weeping, crying. And then she began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. In those days when somebody sat down at the table, they didn't come around a kitchen table like we know it. It was kind of like a recliner type thing. And so this woman standing behind Jesus, her tears began to fall on the feet of Jesus. And then she took her hair and she began to wipe the tears off his feet with her hair and even took an alabaster box and broke it and anointed the feet of Jesus Christ. On those days, a Jewish woman, no doubt the alabaster box is spoken of here, every Jewish woman wore around her neck a little vial of very costly perfume called an alabaster box. And no doubt what she took and broke was that little vial hanging around her neck and she anointed the feet of Jesus Christ. And on a wedding day, a Jewish girl would bound her hair up, hair up, and never again would she ever be seen in public with her hair down, her hair up, would symbolize to everybody in public that my devotion is to one man. But that day she took that ointment or that costly perfume around her neck and she broke open that little vial, poured it on the feet of Jesus and then let her hair down and she began to wash his feet. As, as if she was saying, there is nothing too costly to give to one that would love me the way he's loved me. And there is no devotion too great not to give to him. And I am given my devotion, my life, my heart, my soul to the one that would love me like this. How should we treat the Lord Jesus in light of that he forgave our sin? Not only should we be grateful, but we ought to say to him, Lord, there is nothing that I withhold from you. There is nothing too costly for me to give to you if it means going to the mission field. If it means it, whatever it is, Lord, whatever it means, Lord, there is nothing too costly to give to you after you would love me the way you've loved me and forgive me of my sin. Lord, here's my heart. Here's my life. My devotion is yours. That's what the Lord wants. In fact, that's what he deserves in light of the fact that he has forgiven us of our sins. Amen? It is the devotion of an adoring heart. But look at the third and the final scene in the story. Not only an invited Lord, and an idolized Lord, but an insulted Lord. 
You look at the response of the Pharisee. Look at verse 39. When the Pharisee which had bidden it saw it, he spake within himself, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. He thought, man, you don't know who this is, or you wouldn't let her uh, do what she is doing. This is a sinner. And Jesus said to him in verse 40, Say, Simon, I have somewhat to say to you. And he said, Say on. And then he gave the parable. Look in verse 43. Simon said, Thou hast rightly judged. And verse 44, he turned to the woman, and then he said to Simon, Seest thou this woman? Now look, I entered into thine house, your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. You didn't give me a kiss, but this woman since the time I came in hath not ceased to kiss my feet. He said, My head with oil you did not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Well, he's talking about in response to the reaction of the Pharisees, he talks about how Simon treated him. In contrast, how the woman treated him. How did he treat him? How did Simon treat Jesus? For one thing, he gave him no attention. There was no attention. You see, in those days when a guest entered into a home, there were three things that was always done. In those days, three things always happened if you were a guest and you entered into a home. For one thing, the host would always place his hand on the guest's shoulder and give him a kiss, a kiss apiece. It was a mark of respect. You're in my home. You're a special guest in my home. We greet you with great respect. And because the roads were dusty, they wore sandals, basically a little leather bottom with a strap to hold it on their feet. Then they would always provide water for their feet to wash their feet and to cool their feet. It was to cleanse and to refresh their feet from a hot journey. And then they would always give them a drop of the outer of roses that was placed on the guest head is just an act of good manners is the, what they did and he looked at Simon he said look this woman has done this this woman has done this this woman's done this but when I've come into your home you've not even give me the common courtesies in a home you didn't greet me with a kiss you didn't provide water for my feet you didn't provide ointment for uh, my respect and just out of good man you haven't shown me even the common courtesies that are shown in a home Simon Peter invited Simon the Pharisee invited him in the home but once he got him in there he really didn't pay him any attention but not only no attention but no affection look in verse 47 again wherefore I am saying to thee her sins which are many are forgiven for she loved much but to whom little is forgiven the same love is little the whole thing was due to the fact that here was a woman that really loved him, and here was a Pharisee that didn't love him. Now you think about it. Are we not guilty of the same in our life? Are, are we not often guilty of the same treatment of Jesus? We invite him into our lives. There's a day we come to him and we say, Lord Jesus, I want you to come into my life. And he always accepts the invitation. He always comes into the heart that is open to him. He always accepts the invitation from anybody, no matter who, no matter when. He always accepts the invitation. But how many times, how many have invited Jesus in their life, and then once he was invited in, they don't even show him the common courtesies that's due to who he is. They give him no attention. They give him no affection. And it all boils down to the fact that they really don't love him. You listen to me carefully. You cannot tell me tonight that you love the Lord you cannot convince me you love God and you won't go to the house of God. You can't convince me that you love God and you won't give to Him. You can't convince me that you love the Lord and you won't serve Him. You can't convince me that you love the Lord and you won't live for Him and you won't honor Him with your life. Those are just the common courtesies that you give to someone like Christ. But what we do, we invite Him in our life and day by day, we don't provide to do for Him what He deserves. We don't even show Him the common courtesies of the Lord of our life and the Savior and the forgiver of our sin. We fail to love Him with all of our hearts and we fail to love Him with all of our being. Love Him to the extent that our whole life is given to Him. No matter what He would want, Whatever He would demand of us, our devotion is to Him. He is to be Lord, priority of our life. We fail to do and give to Him what He deserves. We don't even treat Him the way they ought to be treated. 
I ask you tonight, how are you treating Jesus? He's forgiven you. I trust he has. If you've never invited him in, I invite you to do that tonight. But if you have, are you treating him like this woman? Are you treating him like this Pharisee? How are you treating Jesus? Let's stand our feet, please. Our heads bowed, our eyes closed. You get your prayer sheet. Look at it. We're going to do three things as we always do on Wednesday night. Our missionary of the week is Rick and Jackie Bonds serving the U.S. military in Italy. Many of you know Rick and Jackie. They were served here while they were in school. and A real blessing. Let's remember Rick and Jackie tonight. And our church of the week is Floyd Road Baptist Church in Powder Springs, Georgia. Now where Brother Berman Cape Jr. is the pastor and choir went there in the meeting. I was there. come tonight to do these three things. I want you to pray for our missionary of the week. I want you to pray for our church of the week. And then I want you to take the word of God. I want you to search your heart tonight and ask the Lord, how am I treating you? Am I treating you the way you ought to be treated or am I not even giving you the common courtesies that you so rightfully deserve? Pray and ask God to work it into your heart. The simple story about how you're treating the Lord in your life. In a moment, we're going to sing, and I want many of you to just slip out of your seat and come. And when we sing, I want you, if you're across the building here tonight and you're not saved, I want you to do what this woman did. I want you to do what others in the Bible. I want you to come and invite Jesus to come into your heart. He'll do that. All you got to do is ask him, Lord Jesus, come into my life, save me. And if you'll ask him, he will. If you invite him, he'll accept that invitation. And when folks begin to come to the altar in just a moment to pray, I want you to come as well. And we'll have someone meet with you and pray with you during our prayer time. And they'll show you from the Bible how Jesus can live in your heart, forgive you of your sins. It's like this woman. But I want you to pray for Rick and Jackie, Floyd Road Baptist, Brother Cape, and also God, help me to treat you the way you deserve to be treated. Father, tonight in Jesus' name, bless the word and the things we've heard. Will you come and gather around the altar? We're going to pray for these things specifically in just a moment. There may be others that want to come. You may want to come tonight to invite the Lord Jesus into your life. You're here tonight, not saved. Do that. Just make your way down this altar and just gather around the altar. Amen. I'm going to call on a couple of you to pray. Someone to pray for our missionary of the week. Someone to pray for our church of the week. And then for our special things tonight. Buddy Woody, pray for our missionary of the week, Rick and Jackie Bonds. Yes. Yes, yes. Yes, Lord. Yes. <coughs> yes. Rusty, won't you pray for our Church of the Week, Floyd Road Baptist Church? Yes. Yes, yes. Mm. Yes. 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 Father, tonight in Jesus' name, 
We do continue to pray. We pray for Rick and Jackie. Thank you, Lord, for them. Thank you, Lord, for how you've used them through the years working with the military. I thank you for the work that you've given them, giving them in Italy. I pray you bless their ministry there. What a tremendous work there. And I pray, Lord, you bless them and use them to reach the military and even use them in that country that is so blinded to the truth of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Bless their ministry there and use them. Father, we pray tonight for Floyd Road. Pray you bless Brother Berman, the ministry there, an area just exploding in growth. Lord, use them. It's a lighthouse in that area. Do something special, Lord, for that church. Then for our hospital list and many, many others, God, meet every need, touch every heart, continue to minister to hearts, those who've lost loved ones, those who are home recuperating. Uh, Lord, so many needs, so many sick, so much sickness, I pray you'd touch. Father, we ask you now to help us to love you the way you ought to be loved. Lord, let us live, Lord, just in a spirit of gratitude, an attitude of gratitude for what you've done for us. God, thank you that you forgave us of our sins. Bless on the Lord's day. God, may we see folks saved. Thank you for answering prayer on Easter Sunday. Lord, continue to answer prayer. Continue to move and save souls. Pray you touch this place. Anoint it. In the name of Jesus, we ask these things. Amen. Are you glad you're saved? Amen. Look around. Be sure to shake hands our visitors. Shane and Tanya over here, good to have them with us. Other around here, you get by and meet them, the missionaries, the Dove family, with the Brocious and others. Bring somebody to church with you Sunday. Let's get some folk in. Amen. You're dismissed. Shake hands and fellowship as you leave tonight.